Hey, you freaks and weirdos. You oddballs and lepers. It's me, Casey Coop, on Casey's Freak Show podcast, sitting down with my friend Danny Fernandez. Danny is a writer, comedian, host of various nerd shows, and a Twitter superstar. She's never been shy to reach out a hand to help me as a fellow female comic, as well as other people in her communities. Her social media weaves together jokes and speaking truth to power, my favorite combination. She's funny and honest and free. Welcome to the Freak Show, Danny. Ah, thanks, Casey. That was a like that it? was a beautiful intro. Thanks. I'm just gonna have that at my eulogy. Just I like putting you. people on the spot just to kick it off with. Like, let's just put you on the spot. Well, here. you know, when you asked me, you were like, how do you want to be introduced? I am not one of the people here in Hall. Like, I hate giving my credits. I think it's so, it's so gross. It's so uncomfortable. And, yeah, it's yeah. so, like, greasy and yucky. Because we know people, you and I know people, yes. that, like, give their credits when they're introducing themselves. At, like, an open mic. Yeah, like, the but even just in conversations. And, oh, God. And it's just, like, I feel so I feel so weird. I know it's a thing that I need to be better at. No, the, the same thing I feel with, like, people that have business cards in LA it's like yes. it like drives me nuts like ever since I was an open mic or random comics at open mics like here take my business card I'm like <laughs> what am I gonna do with this professional open micer I was yeah. like I live in a living room what do I do with this <laughs> I still don't have business cards actually Funimation good, is one of good. the one of the places I host at um they're like an anime property that that owned a bunch of anime yeah um <laughs> your are the sound engineer Mason's just made like, a really represent. yeah I was really excited Represent. Um, uh, they made me cards, uh, and I felt weird. They were like cards so that I could like sign and give them to fans oh. at Comic Con, and I was like, I'm just gonna keep these. I feel weird. Do you have these. fans at Comic Con? Uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely have people, especially from uh, not just from them, but from Hyper RPG, which is the like nerd gaming studio I'm at. We have a lot of like subscribers and fans, so they'll come up and recognize us from shows and stuff. That's that right. I've been seeing all over your social media that you've been doing shows through that. Will you talk about those a little bit? Yeah. So Hyper is uh, basically a channel on Twitch. It's a big Twitch channel. And I worked at another one, too. I, I did a show at Geek and Sundry with um, Xavier Woods. He's from the WWE from New Day. It was called Anime Gateways, and we were, like, introducing anime to people. Um, Hyper RPG is similar. It has a... A uh, large roster of hosts and shows, and so they'll do RPG shows. They'll do what is RPG? It's like role playing game. No, you're fine. Okay. I totally like, I don't know was shit. not. I was also not into it. Um, it's basically like it's basically like improv kind of like it's tabletop like improv so like you have a character we all got to make our characters and there's other comics on my show so Danielle Radford I saw that and she's amazing she's amazing I'm so that's exactly what I was going to bring up and I kind of mentioned in your intro which is that it's something about you that I don't notice a lot of people in our industry or in comedy writing or in just female comics so much is like you always bring people up with you in any project you're doing and that's like I see it in all of your photos and all your posts. Like I think that's rad, including myself. You've done that for. Yeah, I just feel <laughs> I I have this like I figured this out with uh, Vanessa Grinton, who's another comic, and I like I would get sent like hosting gigs and stuff that I couldn't make, and so then I would like oh, but if you love a nerdy Latina, then you're gonna love Vanessa. It was cool. basically my way of making sure that they didn't just like replace it with Give like it with a, a white straight guy. white guy. Yeah. Oh my god. So oh I'm like, god. you don't have yes. an excuse now. I'm no, I'm sorry, I'm not a 
available for it, but she is or she is. Dang. So I have a roster of people. You're such a powerhouse. I, no, but, I mean that. Yeah, That's... but <laughs> and also if you're listening, hit me up if you want to be on that. I'm always trying to find new people because I'm um, as much as I am doing a lot of hosting, I'm trying to like move away. I, I didn't move out here to host. Um, what and, is ho- like your goal with with comedy and writing now? Because you're sort of working on so many different kinds of projects yeah. at this point. Yeah, I mean, my my huge goal, like my lifelong dream would be able to write something that I can be in. And so all yeah. the scripts that I've written are basically, I have some version of myself in them so I could hopefully play that person. Um, that's my huge, huge goal. And hosting is just something... Uh, once your name gets put in the hat and people know like, oh, this is a woman who can talk about Marvel, DC, she can come and argue about the like once your name gets put in the hat, you get put in rotation at a lot of these channels. Uh-huh. But I mean, and it, it can be like, yeah, that's fun. But also it requires so much research. And it's like, it's not actually you're so you're interviewing directors, actors, writers and comedians. You're not the one being interviewed like does that make sense oh. you're not the creative person you're interviewing creative people and you want to be the the creator yeah and the i mean star, that's why which, i moved out yeah here. of course not, same yeah you know. not necessarily like oh i want to be famous but no i want it to be my work i want it to be my story these are the scripts that exactly. i've written this is you know the stuff that i'm working on or the stories that i want exactly. to tell and so it's difficult when you're just hosting constantly mm. um it's a good platform to get your name out yes. there and then people can start reading your material on twitter which obviously yeah. they do and it's great but do you ever feel like any backlash in the nerd world as being for being a woman that's involved in it let alone a latina woman involved in it i mean i had to take a break this year like yeah. iffy wadiway who you know is my co-host and he's fantastic but i mean i i couldn't do it like the amount of hate and hateful comments. God. And not only hateful comments, but you know when you're a woman online, not only is it violent comments, but they're sexually violent in nature. Oh, yeah. That's that's my wheelhouse getting and those. I, yeah, Jesus. and I know that people are like, well, get used to it. You're going to be, you know, Who famous. Who says that? I want to kick those people in the fucking face. <laughs> Who does kick them say in the, that? Kick them in the teeth. But it's also because we're human. I mean, I can only get so many comments about my face or my... the. A lot of them are about like, cause and the male co-hosts that I'm with, they won't have anything. And it'll be like, this chick isn't hot. Get her off here. Or she's only on here cause she's hot. And it's like, make up your fucking mind. Totally. I was actually, I was going to mention that is you're gorgeous. Okay. And Thank that's, you, Casey. I'm not, I'm not even stroking your ego. I'm saying that <laughs> as a fact right there. But I mean, personally, I, I, I've definitely gotten a lot of shit in the comedy world for just like, oh, just guys book you cause they want to fuck you. Do people still give you that? Cause you've definitely like proven it's funny, girls have to prove twice as hard to sort of like, yeah. be like, I deserve a place here, but you have, you know? Yeah, for sure. I still get that. I still get that uh, quite often. Like um, the, oh, like, mm, guys just want to have sex with you and that's why you got this. Yeah, or what guy did you fuck to get on this? Or uh, they're just trying to meet a quota. They just need a woman in there and that's why she's on it. Um, yeah, it was I interesting. I did a comedy show the other night that was hosted by Rachel Scanlon, this rad lesbian. And the show was like three lesbians, me, the straight girl, and Brad Silnitzer was the was the guy they put on the show. And it was such a good environment. Like, I laughed through all the comics. And, and it was funny because Rachel was uh, arranging the lineup. She's like, it's three lesbians in a row, too much to put on. And Brad was joking with her, like, <laughs> you're the problem, Rachel. But it was like this total reverse role yeah. reversal. And I yeah. loved it. And I, I relished every second. And every comic brought something different. So it's, it's interesting how the excuse for not putting more female comics on a lineup is always... 
oh, there's too much of the same voice is what we always hear. Oh, it's too yeah. much of the same. Like, I, I'm sick of hearing the same white guy perspective on everything. For sure. I just got a script and it was for another struggling comic who, and I'm like, seriously, how many of these scripts are we going to do? Yeah. Like, into shows and feature films, mm. like, you know. Yeah, you were writing about how, like, <laughs> dude, like, you're just like, Case, you've told me before, face to face, you're like, you need to write more because of the types of shitty scripts that actually get funded that you read that you audition for. Right. Yeah. That goes for everyone out there. I mean, if you could see some of these scripts that are funded, they are picked up. I am currently auditioning for them. And um, Vanessa is one of the people I'll send it to. And I'm just like, I can't believe this. I can't like Mm -hmm. I get. But then a part of me is also like, okay, I need to be submitting more. Not and it's not just what I've already written, which I'm, I'm still pushing for. I need to be constantly submitting. And I will say, I mean, people can argue with me about this. But as far as the nerd world is concerned, and I know this, especially because I was I'm was dating a guy who uh, was on Collider. He is also in the nerd world. He's at Fandango. He's on like a bunch of nerd hosting like movies and shows and Star Wars shows and stuff like that. He's very he's also a comic. Um, and I will tell you this and watching him and his friends and then watching female hosts and colleagues. And I think I believe that he also agrees with this. Women have to want it twice as much oh, yeah. because you deal with <laughs> twice as much hate yep. <laughs> and you have to be twice as knowledgeable about these nerd related topics mm-hmm. because if you mess up that's it and they'll You're be done. Ch- it's, they're constantly testing you and I'm I'm not part of the nerd culture but like I'm I've always been on the outskirts of it cuz my brothers are heavily involved in that and a lot of close friends of mine are I see it and not to mention just my own like I have a tattoo of Lisa Simpson. I have a tattoo of Amy Winehouse. You know how I get drilled about those two fucking tattoos all the time? Yeah. Oh, what's what's Amy's middle name? Like, fuck you. You don't know what Amy's middle name is. <laughs> and it's like, just for liking something, yeah. you have to prove yourself twice as much. Yeah, it's like, oh, are you reading the comics? Did you did you see the original source material? Are you doing... Yeah, no, that's exactly how it is. And yet, Ify, who I love, who's my co-host, we uh, hosted a Dragon Ball Super Show. It was a live show at our channel. And I have the Dragon Ball characters tattooed. Do people do that to you, Danny? Oh, listen, listen. Oh, and if he shows up, if he will no. show up and he'll be like, oh, yeah, the big cat dude. And I'm like, his name's Beerus. Like, if I showed up and said that, like, uh, the big, uh, you yeah. know, the big cat dude that showed up in episode three or whatever, yeah. I would get fucking scorched online. Absolutely. And I do. Even when I even when I have these these characters tattooed on me, I They're get like, scorched. They're like, she's a so, poser. Yes. And I'm like, I'm a poser. I made my, you can you can call it my mom. And I made her when I was 11. Take me to Comic Con so I could meet these voice actors and have them sign my stupid little VHS tapes because I was so obsessed with it. And uh, it's crazy. It's crazy that, yeah, I grew up to be a woman. I have breasts. I'm sorry. Like, I grew up to be a person in this industry. Yeah, I just had Dixie on the show. This other, my girl used to work at my strip club for a long time. And she's heavily involved in nerd culture and is on Twitch and all of that. And she said that when she when she went through um, puberty was when all of her guy friends stopped playing whatever Magic the Gathering or whatever. Those uh-huh. I'm sorry, I'm the worst at all of this. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> they just stopped playing with her because she got tits like that was it. You know, did you have that when you were a teenager? Um, No, I mean, not quite in the same way. But when I got tits, it was incredibly embarrassing. Like I was bullied a lot kind of for my weight. And I look back at pictures of me and I was just curvy. But I also, it, when I was in middle school, I was in Orange County, and you had to be extremely skinny and tiny, and you could not have curves Oh, really? There. You grew up there? Um, no, I actually moved to, my family's from San Diego, and then I spent some time in Orange County, and then when I was about 13, I moved to Texas. And I do think that's it's one I of thought, the yeah, best things. Yeah, I think I knew things. that about you, yeah. I think that's one of the best things that happened to me, just because I lived in Dallas and Austin, and... 
I'm sure if I stayed in Orange County, I would have been a different person. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I'm glad that You'd my be more more vacuous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad that my family moved me away from there. Um, I know that. And I went. Yeah. And I went to college in Austin. And that's Austin right. was great. Is yeah. that when because you were married previously, right? Yeah. I met my husband in Dallas and then uh we were together for six years. We got married when we were like 24 or 25, and then we only lasted a year, and then we got divorced. But yeah, so, six years is, I feel like in LA terms, I'm like, that's forever. Yeah. Even just dating somebody. Yeah, you know, and everyone's like, how did you not know? And I was like, we just, we didn't know. You know, and plus I, I was super- What do they mean, what do you not know? How did I not know that our marriage wasn't going to work out? Because I divorced him so quickly. And- Honestly, there are a lot of things that I thought would change once we were married that didn't change, if that makes sense. Yeah, and a lot of young people think that way. Yeah. Not, not calling you naive. I think that's just No, but comment. I was young. I was really young, and and uh, he was kind of the most serious relationship that I had had and the longest relationship that I had, and we just wanted different things, and like neither of us were willing to compromise. Right, because at the time, I think you said that you wanted to go into stand-up or into comedy Yeah, writing. I wanted to go into comedy. I wanted to move here and write. Was and... that when you started using Twitter and getting a... Because uh, you have a huge following. Was that when you started Twitter? Yeah, I, I started Twitter when I was, like, for depression. <laughs> like, it was such a great <laughs> As way. As we all do. As we all do. As everybody <laughs> does um and it was such a great outlet for my depression I do remember comics would write me and be like are you okay though um which was nice but I yeah I definitely had my couple of years of that but it it helped and it helped it helped at that time and now I'm not really I I tweet like once a day I don't really read it not really because it sucks my soul down into the pits of hell where from whence I came I guess (laughs) so Twitter was good for me to kind of find a community and Mm -hmm. find a support system find like minded people and in sexuality and in intellect you know in all of these different areas that I didn't really know people on the same page as me in real life yeah so it was rad but Twitter is great to have a voice and it's great this year to be able to use my platform and really speak up and and mainly putting some studios that I know on blast that aren't really forward thinking and aren't as progressive as they as they need to be as far as the excuses they make for why they haven't hired women or people of color in their oh, writers good. room good for you and so yeah I mean it's not great for me because I don't get because they don't mm. I mean they'll remember me for calling them out but it is great for other writers to get in there because I've talked to some of my friends uh that have literally been like you were the reason why I got a job at this studio Whoa. since you called them out uh, I was like, yeah, I know they hate me, so like, I'm not gonna get that job. But someone needed to say something. But that's so much more important than I think. Like, staying close to your truth is so much more important than just like saving your ass for a potential maybe writing job. Yeah, there's well, so many more, and it's so much greater than that. I think I've just realized like anytime I stay more to what I think is like being a good person, being honest to my myself. I'm like, I'm my career will follow suit. Like I know sometimes that those sort of like in the moment actions will shoot myself in the foot. Mm-hmm. But that's not the long that's this is that's a big true. long run race, you know? This little thing you do right now is not like everything. Actually it's creating a bigger reality for you, more people to respect you. Yeah. I also just feel like I noticed this year it was such a turbulent year that I I started to notice people that weren't speaking up because they didn't want to lose followers and they didn't I just lost mm. respect for them. You know? And so I don't know, it was just something I took note of. Even people that I like, that I respect, you know, that, that like I knew that I looked up to. And I'm like, why aren't you? I don't understand how I have a smaller platform and I speak up more 
than you do, you know? Yeah, I I think personally I have a much smaller platform than you, but the only reason I haven't been as politically active is just like I, I sunk, I got into a really bad depression earlier this year and, you know, it was after my year sober and I just needed to go deeper into my recovery work yeah. and therapy. Um, but I do read the news in doses now. Oh, for um, sure. I think only some people can handle reading it every day. I definitely can't. Um, and, and I definitely get enough of it through the jokes that my friends are writing. But it's it's such a tightrope to walk, isn't it? Yeah. The mental health tightrope of being politically involved, but not like I don't do depression. Well, I go immediately yeah. into suicidal and really self-destructive. So. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that as an excuse. I'm definitely no, still and involved, I should have I but... should have clarified a lot of the studios because, like you were saying, I I host a lot of studios and stuff. And some of the studios that I've worked at, they have a large. If you think about nerd nerd gaming studios, a lot of them have a straight white male, young straight white male following, and so a lot of the hosts that do have a huge platform could be speaking up and they gotcha. choose that's what I mean gotcha. is yeah. like it is our duty in the nerd world to make sure that it's a safe nerd world for women and people of color so that's what I meant not necessarily like you Casey you even no. though you know everyone can do their part but what I'm saying is us who are on these channels that have the following that we do in this specific demographic mm-hmm. and I know that they could be speaking up especially because we see the YouTube comments that we get and they're racist they're sexist it's like okay God. if you you look kind of like the guys that are saying this. Why aren't why am I as a woman of color speaking up more than a white guy on my channel? You know but what I mean? But it's always it's like, OK, where where are the straight white males going to get the impetus to speak up other than just being directly hurt? And some of them are some of them are. You know what I did notice is like kind of like I talked to Hannah Michaels about uh-huh. the, the outspoken male feminist thing. Right. Like a lot of those guys that have used feminism to just like platform (laughs) their Twitters into being like the woke guy. How how come they're not speaking up when it really comes down to to it? You know, they're not. It's it's really wild. Or I think the other thing I notice is how come they don't retweet or elevate the platforms of people of color, of women, Mm -hmm. of trans people, of queer people? They don't. They simply don't. They just want to not be on the shit list. Yeah, yeah, you know? no, I. that's exactly what I mean. A lot of times they're worried about losing their following, so they'd rather just play it safe. And I feel like with <laughs> this year, I'm like, fuck playing safe. There is too much on the line. There's too much on the line now. But I totally agree about mental health. I think, like I said, I had to take a break this year. I think it's great that we have a good community uh, in comedy and of the friends that we have because I have to tag out. I have to tag out yeah, so someone right? else can tag exactly. in. Exactly. I'm like, okay, it's your turn exactly. now. Like, I've done my, I've you done know my what? work. <laughs> One of my good friends in recovery had the best quote the other day. He's like, luckily, we're not, we're all not crazy on the same day. And what he means yes. by that as recovering alcoholics is like some of us, like one day I'm going to be like, dude, I'm spinning out. I want to kill myself today. Things are looking bleak. I have no hope. You know, I want to drink or kill myself. And my buddy will be like. But, you know, I, I did this and that to get my mind right today, to get my health right today. I helped somebody else, whatever. They'll give me hope. And then it'll reverse the next week. Like right. that happened with a good friend of mine the other week. Like he helped me out one week. The next week it reversed on us. And so luckily we're all not crazy on the same day. I yes. know I took us on a tangent, but no, I think perfect. originally like um, I was asking you about like when you were starting Twitter. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is a long time ago. You were with your then husband and you wanted to move to L.A. and become a comedian yeah, I think we are separated at that point because okay, he had moved okay. into our guest room um and then I was heavily relying on it as far as 
uh, making jokes about my depression. I'm the same way where I feel like I'm go straight to suicidal. You were on, I think I told you, I think like la- last year, my therapist made me write a list of like people I would contact before I harmed myself. And I think I oh, remember yeah, writing you. Told you. Me that. Wow, that's actually a huge honor. Yeah. I, love, I love that. We, <laughs> we need our fellow like, people. You know, some people have bridesmaids. I have people on my suicide <laughs> contact list. Um, so true. Where so it's true. like, hi, I just want you to know if you ever get a random, like I put you on my suicide contact list so I have to contact you before I harm myself which I think is super I love that. yeah because I did have an attempt during my divorce and that mm. changed my life I guess um to the point where I've never done it again I've gotten like close like, but did I've you, never what did it teach you your suicide attempt um one that that sleeping pills don't always work so (laughs) that was a really dark thing I learned um that's not you know and it and uh and it was um, terrifying too because they started to kick in. I took I over I overdosed on sleeping pills trying to kill myself, and they started to kick in. And that feeling where I realized, oh shit, I'm oh shit, I'm actually gonna die alone. Oh shit, like when they started to. It's sort of the fight heart, or flight feeling. Yeah, exactly. I, I had that feel. Oh my god, it's interesting. Oh my god, I just had this flashback. Like my quote unquote rock bottom, aka the last night I drank and used drugs was in Vegas, and I took some pills from a random dude, of course. And he said it was Molly. I think it was speed. I don't know what it was, to be honest. I just know that I almost overdosed. I was I was just like my heart wouldn't slow down for hours and hours and hours. And I was I don't know what an overdose, I guess, entails exactly. But I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to die. Die. Yeah. It was hours of my heart, like not slowing down, dude. It was fucking scary. And I think I don't know if that's partly a fight or flight instinct that your body's mm-hmm. suddenly like, oh, you're actually going to die. This thing you wanted for so long. It's going to happen. But you now you don't want it. Yeah. I think that's because as much as your brain might be like, no, I want to die. Like the rest of your body's like, no, we don't. You yeah. know, it's just like brain chemicals versus your bodily yeah. like, instincts. That's interesting. And so mine was the opposite. My heart was starting to slow down. Oh, shit. Rapid. Oh, it was the worst oh, feeling. Oh, shit. It's so scary. That's so scary. And I called my separated slash estranged husband and I was crying to him and I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know, and also I took all these pills. I'm going to die, but I just want you to know how sorry I am. And uh, he had another phone and was like, I'm going to call 911. And I don't know why I was so like, no, you can't call them because I'm like you know in my head I'm like no it's gonna ruin my life they're gonna put me away in a hospital sort of like looking bad yeah it's like yeah. a weird thing like even though we're I, falling apart I'm we about to die yeah. <laughs> no I've heard that before that yeah that you just like you people a lot of us put on a front you know yeah because like then you'll become the girl who tried to kill herself right, and right, then, right, right. And, the, and, and the relatives at the family functions will be oh, whispers to yeah totally because you hear you know my relatives you hear that shit go around well I, my main thing was like I'm gonna be stuck in a hot like they're gonna keep me in a hospital you know they're not gonna release me I'll have to be there for months or something for trying to kill myself uh which sadly is also not the case I wish mm. people got more more help uh, than they did because they only kept me for a day and then released me. Right. So, um, and I've heard that from other friends as well who have had attempts and it's like, oh, they just let me go the next day. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. we probably should look into that as far as how we can help. Uh, the, the long run of mental health. The resources health. for our mental health, yeah, for mental health patients is not is not great. No, I never felt like I had anyone to reach out to. Yeah. And it, like the people I knew in therapy, I guess maybe this was me separating myself, but I assumed that they had a lot of money and, and a lot of them had been in therapy their whole lives. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't relate to that, you know? 
Um, but then there's sliding scale therapy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's low cost therapy. And that's very important. I have mm-hmm. to say, like, I used to be so fucking against it until I realized, like, uh, my resentments are killing me and my whatever I think, you know what it was, too? I always I blamed my mom a lot for a lot of things. And I knew intellectually that she'd been through her shit and didn't have the tools to be better, right? She mm-hmm. tried as best she could. Just like everybody is trying as best as they can. Otherwise, they'd be they'd be better, right. honestly. Um, and I knew that intellectually, but like emotionally, I couldn't forgive her. And that's what therapy's actually led me to. Even in a couple of months, I'm like starting to feel forgiveness for the first time mm-hmm. and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it sounds stupid too. Where I wanted to ask you about your dog. I just got a puppy. And oh, even, I saw that. Oh, he's amazing. I'll, I'll bring him around soon. <laughs> um, he's getting his last shots this Tuesday. So then he can be walking, um, going on walks. But even just raising a puppy and going to therapy, I don't know, it's like a weird mix of like, now I'm the mommy. And mm-hmm. now I'm like going over some shit with my therapist and realizing like, oh, this is hard. Like, mm-hmm. this was hard for her with the tools that she had in the background she had. She was tr- like, and I actually feel the first bit of forgiveness. And I'm going to have to go deeper. Yeah. But I mean, that's important. Whatever the thing is inside you that you're holding on to or your brokenness or this and that, it like therapy truly can help you with. Yeah. Forgiveness is so difficult, something I've struggled with a ton. And I feel like because I have a similar issue, but with my dad and I think I can he would. And we're also Catholic. So my dad was abusive, like he was emotionally abusive. He also cheated on my mom a lot. And then um, I found out I had a sister who was the same age as me that I didn't know until I was 22. Had no idea. She even kind of looks like me. Wait, like Like, a half sister? Yeah. A half sister that he hid that he knew about. For 22 years. No. I, I had no idea. Yeah. And it was, and I was the only girl in my family and grew up with brothers. So it was like, it was a lot. It was a lot on my identity. It was a lot to like, you know, also lose uh, my dad. Like I didn't want to be in his life anymore. As I got to be an adult, I was like, oh, no, you're just a shitty person. So like, wait, he was in your life growing up. Were your parents yeah. married? My parents were married. My dad cheated on my mom a lot. My mom stuck around for it. Um, you know, I've talked to her about it a lot. And she's like, what was I going to do? Leave with three kids? Right. And I think me, I would have been like, yeah. <laughs> But, but we say but that, I can't, but I can't put, but yes, exactly. I say, I say that, but like, yeah, if, I don't know what I would do in that. But here's the thing is because he was so abusive to us that she would have to watch that. So I had a lot of resentment to her for sticking around. She finally left him when I was like 25. And, uh, and then I finally left him. I was like, I mean, he would say the worst things. He would tell me like, you're, I wish your mom had just aborted you. Like, I wish you were never alive. Wow. Like, oh yeah. He so you didn't, you no longer talk to I him. I don't talk to him anymore. That's but- interesting. I, I feel like there were so many times in my life where I tried to cut my mom out completely. Yeah. She's very Jacqueline Hyde. She can be very loving if she's drunk, <laughs> but also really mean all the time. And it just, her mood switches like that. Yeah. You never know what it's going to be like. So it's just a, co- it's constant fear and anxiety of, of the flip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was I was that way too. But I never I a... managed to cut her out. So I'm sort of like working on and she lives across the country. You know, I barely ever see yeah. her. But just working on finding a place of forgiveness. It's it's I been hard. So it's been hard. Yeah. I, what I was gonna say is for me, I think that I've forgiven him, but I don't want him in my life. Like I can't handle mm-hmm. the pain of my life plus him I think on top that's of okay. it. I think yeah. that's okay. Sometimes, you know, in the recovery community or just people I know that are dealing with their own family struggles and forgiveness and, you know, the same shit we, we're dealing with. Everybody has something, right? Um, there sometimes is a pressure to continue having a relationship with members of your family mm-hmm. that were abusive. And 
I think that there's ways to find forgiveness, but still not necessarily have those people in your life because they were abusers. It's very yeah. triggering. And, you know, I, I like you said, like you can find forgiveness without having to still show up and put yourself through that. Yeah. I think. My dad would like he would cheat on my mom or he would do something and he would come back into my life and be like, well, you have to forgive me. That's what Catholics do. And I'm That's like, true. OK, well, I'm going to. Oh, yeah. And so it also skews your look at God or any moralistic right. Yeah. Thing. Oh, he would do that all the time. He would send me even even when I moved to L.A., he like got my address when I was living in Los Feliz and would send me like a card with like Jesus on it or something. And I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. this isn't going to I'm not going to do. And, and so but what, I'm like, no, actually, I am a good. And he would try to make me feel like I'm not a good person. Like, mm-hmm. no, I actually am a good person and I don't have to have you in my life. Like I'm an adult and I don't have to have you in my life anymore. And also he would use excuses like, well, I had a shitty child and I had all this and that's right. why he act the way My mom did. would do the same but it's thing. Like, but I also. <laughs> had that because of this you. is the vicious cycle of a yeah. of of abuse though as well is like breaking the cycle of abuse is just as hard and my mom would do the same thing so i was always like i'm never gonna have kids because in the in my heart i was so fucking afraid of continuing the cycle yeah of you abuse. would be like her yeah and i still i get very very defensive when people even comment things on photos of my puppy like he needs this do this differently do that differently because they misconstrued what was happening in the picture you know and I, I get extremely defensive because of this fear I have deep down that I'm going to be a bad mommy that I'm not good mm-hmm. enough that I'm going to fuck up my dog or inevitably another human being but you know I think I'm working through those fears okay on that note we have to go to a break so okay. we'll be back soon <laughs> All right, welcome back to Casey's Freak Show podcast here at Meltdown Comics at 7522 Sunset Boulevard. Come check out all the rad nerd stuff. And I'm here with my rad nerd friend, Danny. Hell yeah. Welcome back. So at the break, we talked a little bit about this, but I did mention I got a puppy and mm-hmm. you got yours. What? Wait, you- what's your dog's name? Oreo. Oreo. Okay, I had a cat named Oreo. That's so funny. Really? Yeah. yeah. My cat uh, hates him, but <laughs> they're, they're working on that. They're working on that. You said you got your dog 10 years ago, right? Yeah, she's 10. Oh, she is my baby. She's loving my life. Yeah. Dude, I, I've only had my dog for like three weeks and I feel the same way. It's nuts. Like, it's crazy. They're just, they rely on you so much and they just, they love you unconditionally. It's... I know. And I thought that would be annoying, like... But I think it's because my maternal cravings have gone way overboard yeah. that I just need it so badly. Yeah. And I love it. And now you'll connect with other dog people. Dog I do. people are like, we're just so obsessed with our dogs. I know. And I never understood that before. I yeah. thought it was a little extra because I had a cat. And I'm like, oh, the cat ignores me. She snuggles me sometimes. I'm like, no, like, I need I need this. But we were talking about how, like, people give so much unsolicited dog advice. Yeah, they're nosy as fuck. They're so nosy. Like, I have Molly at the airport. She's registered. She's trained. And people will be like, she looks tired. She looks hot. She looks hot, like yelling across the way. I'm like, no, she she has her tongue out because she's very excited to be here. You know, <laughs> like there was a lady that was like an older lady, too, that was like being wheeled by. And she's like, she doesn't look comfortable. I'm like, OK, thank you. Uh- <laughs> people really feel like they can say anything because I think. At least in LA, like we've sort of replaced We're used having to kids. It. We've replaced yeah. having kids yeah. with dogs a lot of the time. So people are very like, I'm gonna get my dog vegan food or wh- well, whatever, like all natural stuff, like expensive shit. Um, it's like our babies here. Well, yeah, and so I'll travel with Molly in the South, and they'll people will just come up and be like, "How do you how do you have her here? How how is she here?" I'm like, "She she's registered. Like how how did you do that?" 
What, like, what you did you just mean? Go. Yeah, because she's she's registered as emotional support animal. Yeah, me too. I had the but same I thing. literally <laughs> want to tell them because someone made a snide comment when I was when I had her, uh, and she's she's so small. Like she's she's under twenty five pounds. She's like a, she's like a miniature beagle. How how much does she weigh? Just curious. Uh, she's twenty five. Yeah, mine's supposed whatever. to be up to like fifteen. So that's a little yeah and so she can sit in my lap on the flight she doesn't bother anybody oh, she just goes to sleep okay. and somebody made like a snide comment to me <laughs> about having my dog and I want to be like yeah well when you try to kill yourself they just they just give them to you <laughs> <laughs> so, wait yeah so um you got your dog when you were 18 yeah I got her when I was 18 uh, I was going on a break with I, or I was broken up with my boyfriend who ended up being my husband we broke oh, up oh that guy yeah that guy we broke up so that's how long we dated for I was wow we oh my god when we were 18 and then we got married when I was like 24 and as they always say like you're a different person at 18 you very, than you are yeah. even when you're 20 even when you're 22 25 yeah. like it just changes so, so we went much. through college together and a lot of people get married after college and that's what we did um but yeah I got her and I remember when I got her because we were broken up and I was like oh yeah I don't need a boyfriend anymore yeah like I'm good <laughs> it's funny like I'm gonna take her to the dog park I gotta go to like PetSmart later and like we have this Dude. class and like I don't even need a guy when Eric and I were in Europe a month ago I woke up from having a dream where I had two dogs and I was like Eric when we get back to LA I'm getting a puppy <laughs> but I'd also been thinking about it for quite some time yeah. but like right when we got back I went to Petco to get a scratching post and the back room was having puppy palooza which like is like a rescue group <laughs> that comes in yeah um and I got a puppy when I went to the scratching post oh yeah but I walked out of uh Petco with a puppy and Eric's been like a little jealous like he loves uh-huh. the dog but it's also like you see it and then I'm like both of us have gotten so busy since we got back from Europe like our lives have exploded with responsibilities and cool stuff going on but I don't get to see him as much mm-hmm. and I'm a needy bitch and I'm like oh I need this dog because I'm always like needing mm-hmm. to like be cuddled and held and like as much as I have to clean up his shit and sometimes he pees in the house he's still potty training oh yeah I'm like he is so much constant gratification like mm-hmm. I need like Eric can only come over sometimes now because both of us are so busy and I get that feeling where you're just like oh I don't need a boyfriend now like I got this like it's- I think there's a chemical response when I stick my nose in my dog's fur which is a thing that I do and I just like I hold her at, sometimes at night uh, sometimes against her will she'll be like no I'm yeah, good same. I want to go to-. I'm like no we're gonna cuddle um, and I'll just like there's something about her like soft breathing that is so comforting to me Mm -hmm. um i imagine it's like the same thing that moms and newborn babies have together (laughs) yeah oh yeah my dog (laughs) me too um because sometimes i I, like eric likes being the small spoon like he's a little spoon (laughs) so like i get the same feeling when i get to big spoon him as when i get to big spoon my dog i don't know i just love the holding people and things yeah it's nice not being alone it's It's so calming my anxiety is always ridiculous yeah and helps a lot. So did your dog help you with your depression? And oh, stuff she helped me so much. She's been through a lot. And that I do feel bad that I feel like I've taken men out of her life. That's my biggest thing that like even with my current like separation and stuff and breakup, like it's just like I don't want to take another man that she has fallen in love with out of her life. Oh, That's yeah. so difficult. Now, my husband, she they didn't really get along. He didn't really like her. I think because I got her while we were broken up. Right. They get jealous. Yeah. He told my little, boyfriend gets he jealous. Did, he of honest the dog. to God didn't like her. He would like push her off the bed. And uh, <gasps> how we, dare you? <laughs> oh my God. Set this man's we, house on fire. So we ended up rescuing another, we rescued another dog um, who had to have a lot of work. I mean, she ended up getting kennel cough that turned into pneumonia and oh, like Jesus. lost a ton of weight and like cost like thousands of dollars. I knew if I returned her to the shelter, they would just 
put her down. So so it was like, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to put all this money in her. And then she ended up being a, a beautiful, gorgeous. She was like a pit shepherd mix. Very beautiful. She was like a hundred something pounds, but was in love with him in Good. love with my husband. So he would come home, he would like sit on the couch and she would like jump up into his lap like she was a little puppy, um, even though she was like 150 pounds. And uh, anyway, I always so ta- when- call that like the little dog in the big dog syndrome because yes. I always tell my boyfriend that he's like a little dog inside of a big dog. Big dog. Because he's like a big man, but he like constantly is like hurting me on accident. Like his <laughs> limb just flies out of place. Like he's just so big without him knowing it, but he's so like cuddly and sweet. Like he's like, He's like a little dog. Yeah, little yeah, little dog. Um, but so when we when we got a divorce, I took Molly, my dog that I had, you know, I've had now for ten years, and he took the other dog. Okay, perfect. So yeah, but I feel like with the guys I've dated, some of them get really attached to her, and she gets really attached to them. And I'm like, yeah, she has a dad. Perfect. Um, oh, yeah. And now I feel like she actually is sad when I if I remove someone from Dude, her life. I feel like, like, I feel that like she with actually my, does with feel my that. cat actually because I've had my cat for, for seven years. I got her in college and I was like super fucking depressed in college. I, I think my cat might have saved my life in that scenario. She was a kitten then also a rescue. Um, but she fell in love with my boyfriend at that time, my college boyfriend. So that was like her daddy when she was a baby in her first year of life because I was the unstable one and he was the stable oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. So then fast forward the next four years, me moving to L.A., me sleep, like bringing all different different guys home. Like I was a fucking hot mess wreck and like guys I'd bring home she was always sweet too but if I brought a girlfriend home she'd hiss at her (laughs) so like I can tell like I fucked my cat up because like she's like scared of women she's calmer now and I'm way calmer now and that has helped her but like cats are like a total sponge to your emotions because I remember in those days where I was just a train wreck when I my anxiety level was super fucking high she'd just throw up randomly yeah she was a sponge to my anxiety if I was really fucking anxious she just throw up. Like, I swear to God, she could feel it across the room. I'm not even kidding you. That's how my dog is. I can She can tell when I'm sad. And I also, when I go through, like, serious bouts of depression, I don't really like going out. So things that I used to do, like hiking with her, walking, you know, taking oh. long walks, it'll just be like, oh, no, we're just going to go poop and then we're going to come inside. Yeah. You know? And so... Um, yeah, she definitely picks up on that. She's been with me through to Dallas, Austin, Denver. When I moved with my husband to Denver, we had a house and then um, L.A. So I moved out here without her first because I was sleeping on couches and shit. And then I got. Oh, so you waited. You had a little stability. Yeah, I waited. Or slash also my husband was like, I can't keep her and she's going to have to go to a shelter if you don't come and pick her up. So my mom and I rented a car and drove to Denver, drove from L.A. to Denver to pick her up. So I actually have a picture. I'll have to send it to you. I have a picture of her the day I picked her up. And it was like snow covered and she was so excited. And I had come back because I hadn't had her for months. So cool. Danny, can I ask you the question? I ask all my guests. Yes. I'll just bring that, throw that one in the mix. Um, What does being free mean to you? Um, Oh God, not having to rely on people for your happiness. Oh, that's a good answer. Yeah. I mean, I'm not free, but I hope I get there. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Do you feel like you, because a lot of us with internet followings, people give me a lot of shit in real life. Like, oh, you just like, I don't know. Do you get that a lot? Like the passive aggressive, like, oh, you sure get a lot of likes on your posts, Casey, or 
Oh, you're really opinionated. I don't know. Do you feel like you rely on the internet for validation? Like oh, one hundred percent at me for it. I rely on everybody for validation. Same, constantly. me too. Um, and you know what? That's probably why we're in the field that we are because we're not. <laughs> we can't just. Like, I'm not rely gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I like it. If if I wasn't, then I would probably be married in the sub. Like you know, I probably would have lived the life the that life. I was having with my husband. Yeah, yeah. Where you nearly fun. fucking killed yourself. Yeah. And I used to say that too. Like up in Oregon before I moved here six years ago. I'm like, if I have one more winter in Oregon following this like path that everybody else has followed I'm going to kill myself and it was not a joke and I think it's okay if it's like if people find happiness in that like my my siblings don't have the same life that I do my brother has a a five-bedroom house with his wife my brother just bought a house with his girlfriend yeah amazing I envy that you know yeah but it's not for me right and I think I think sometimes too the the creative side I don't want to say you need in, like instability, but you need to be able to be creative. And uh, I think a lot of times in the setting, like in the neighborhood that my brother lives in, I think it'd be crazy if you had a bunch of tattoos and were had piercings and had like picking up your kids from soccer practice. I think I don't think that it should be that way. But I think that if you were like that, like we're not able to express ourselves in the way that we are in a lot of these creative communities. Do you feel like when you go home to Texas, do you do you ever visit? I visit it sometimes. Do you ever feel like because how I feel when I go to Oregon is that suddenly all the stairs well I have tattoos you know but all the stairs are on me or people just look at you sideways and like suddenly I just feel myself shrink yeah. or just like even like I'm a very like um, emotive person and like I like using my hands a lot I feel myself just get stiffer do you feel like you 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 scale yourself back in Texas um I don't know. I do. I will say that I feel like my old classmates think that I my life is really cool. (laughs) (laughs) I think that they see all the stuff I'm doing on Facebook and Instagram and all the people I'm interviewing and out and about. And I wish that I did think it was as cool because I'm always looking at the next thing. And I just that's how we are here. Oh, my God. Be in the present and be in gratitude. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't care that I'm fucking on this show. I want to be on this and I want to be like that person. But That's what has gotten us to where we are. But it is. Um. Actually, a really cool thing I noticed about having a dog is it's forcing me to slow down a little bit, take pauses throughout my day to play with him, to tend to him, mm-hmm. to take him out to poop um, and just take moments to love and appreciate because us we're grinders, we're hustlers. And like we've talked about being women in the comedy field and the writing field, we have to work twice as hard as our peers to get anywhere, to get any traction. Yeah. And like. Also, just twice as hard. I have to work twice as hard at like my mental health to compete with the kind of toxic environment that's in comedy and entertainment. But where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. I just we're always on the grind. We're always hustling. We're always moving forward. And like we have our eye on the next prize that it's hard to kind of be where we're at. And I've had the same thing. I've had a lot of people write me from my small town fucking high school years. Just like, wow, you're really doing it. You're really living the dream. You're like one, <laughs> living you're like, the dream. <laughs> you're, the, you're the biggest one from our graduating class. Yeah. Like someone said, because I have my 10 year reunion coming up this this fall everyone's like somebody was like you got to come back Casey because like you're the famous one from our class I'm like I'm a fucking stripper like what are you guys doing (laughs) yeah but also you wrote for Playboy so that's cool well um 
Yeah, you know, it's I don't know if I'll ever this is sad. Um, I don't know if I'll ever my, my biggest my biggest fear is that I will get the dream writing job that I want and I still won't be happy. That is my biggest See, fear ever. Because that probably um, will be true. And that probably will be true because when I got Playboy and it was rat it was just like incredible. I even had the fucking photo shoots for it. That was something I never thought I would happen for me in a million years. Um I wasn't present for it. I was scared of losing it. I was um, scared of not being good enough. And that's why I've done more work on my mental health, because I know that no outside thing and outside accomplishment will ever fill that hole inside me. Mm -hmm. So I want to be good where I'm at so that when I get to the next level, I'll be good there, too. Right. Like, I don't want to be Robin Williams. I don't want to be killing myself with a mansion. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there are plenty of other people like that that I hear about. I think it's I think it's especially difficult being in this field that you and I know like very successful famous comedians that are just the most depressed people. Yeah. And I congratulate I, a friend who like just they get a big TV thing and they're like, yeah, well, but this, that and it wasn't that much and I need to do this and it wasn't that. And it's like, whoa, they can't even enjoy this amazing accomplishment that they've worked so hard for. Yeah, I don't want to be doing. That. Well, I think, you know what, you're comparing yourself when you get to a new level you start comparing yourself to that level. So you're not even comparing yourself to when you first started or to like even your friends back home or something. You're comparing yourself now to people where you want to be and and doing it very often. And so I feel like that's why I can't enjoy the things that I have. Or even with my hosting stuff, like talking about it probably sounds like, I'm super uptight because it's like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. But it's like, no, it's just because creatively it's not fulfilling mm-hmm. to me. You know, like creatively, it's not as we fulfilling. We were talking outside the studio before we started recording about I was saying that about stand up. I moved here for stand up comedy specifically. I had done I'd want to do it my whole life. I didn't research on it. I read every comedy blog. I love stand up comedy, but I've slowed down this year on it because it's not fulfilling even at its best. Even when I'm on my shit. I am not fulfilled like I thought I would be, but I think that's the universe taking me another direction, which is specifically to writing, right? And I think like that will be more fulfilling. But again, like I don't think any outside thing can fulfill our hearts. I think we just have to like, I think gratitude has a big role in a lot of it. I do write a lot of gratitude lists because otherwise everything's shit around me. My, I have the shit visions on my sunglasses just like everything is poop colored like this isn't good enough that's not good enough I literally write 10 things well, I'm and the world for. you're not the only one though Casey like literally the world is crumbling apart and I think it that is. you know my writing style has changed now where I'm like you know I was writing the pilot that I just wrote this year it was about a girl who had a failed suicide attempt and um pitched it to this this uh company that liked it a lot and now I'm like you know oh, yeah, what? You, I remember you telling me about that yeah, like, yeah. a year ago or so. Yeah, and it's exciting, but also, like, I think we need some positive stories, too. Like, and I was talking with an old scriptwriting professor of mine, and he was like, you're going to see more escapism. You're going to see more positive mm-hmm. things because we just, because our real current world is so scary and awful. Because we're coping. We're coping, yeah. And I'm seeing a lot of friends that I've known over the years in comedy who had depression, their de- depression deepen, and I know what that looks like because... You know, in a fucked up way, I feel like I'm lucky I hit my rock bottom and all my um, addiction and mental health stuff before Trump got elected president because I think I would have died if I and I honestly mean that um, with him in the office and no tools to to cope. cope. Yeah. Right. And, And so why I always write a lot about 
a lot of my posts these days are about gratitude lists and stuff like that because that's how I'm processing. Um, that's why I'm staying alive right yeah. now. And it doesn't mean because then I can be like my most healthy self to change the world. You yeah. know, like the shit I'm writing is still like changing our perception on women and sex workers. And like you like you are doing the same thing, you know, for your yourself. Actually, I wanted to ask you, you wrote a post recently about guys kind of soliciting you for oh, your God. Latina friends oh, my God. or telling you, you yeah. they have a Latina fetish or yeah. even coming to you spe- specifically with a crush, maybe because you are Latina. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, is not okay ever. I was basically like, and I remember I sent it to Vanessa Gritton, who's also Latina. And I was like, one, the guy asked me, I can show you this message. The guy was like, hey, Danny, he DM'd me. He was like, hey, Danny, I have a question I want to ask you, but it might um, be sexist. Um, and I was like, then don't ask it. That's literally <laughs> my response. Like, then don't ask it. If you have to start, hey, I have a question. It might be racist, but um, can I have, a, I have a question I need to ask you. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't need to ask me. You can fucking Google it or you don't, unless you're my best mm-hmm. fucking friend, which you're not, <laughs> um, you don't need to ask me. And uh, he went ahead and wrote, Casey, I can show you this, an entire paragraph after I said, don't ask it. And he wrote me this whole thing and it was oh, like- because he's entitled, of course. Yes, of course. That, But that's it. That's it though. Is that he was like, of course I heard a woman say no. And I'm going to go ahead with it anyways. And he was like, here's <laughs> the thing. I, I'm really into Latina women. And he had in parentheses, like, it has nothing to do with you, of course. And it was like, then why the fuck are you writing me this? And it was like, I'm really into Latina women, but they don't want to talk to me and they won't date me. I'm like, maybe you need to do some self-reflection. Maybe you know? stop fetishizing yeah, them a exactly. little bit for one second. And like, look at them like you would uh, say perhaps another human. Yeah. And yeah, that's okay. Like it's natural to find a demographic sexy. I don't think it's appropriate ever to write me about it. No. Like I don't no. think, I don't think it's appropriate. Like if you have your own thing, keep it to yourself. I don't mm-hmm. care what you Google on like you porn or whatever. <laughs> um, but you know, like you don't need to bring me into your fetish because that's weird and gross. And that's and not I, something it's I, not appropriate. That's not something I ever deal with. I do have weird guys very occasionally be like, oh, do you have a stripper friends kind of thing? But like, that's different. Um, It's just like interesting that, oh, now they want us to be the pimp of our friends or of our kind, I guess. Yeah. Because, oh, are we the down girl? We're the chill girl. You were telling me outside the the studio before we started recording that you're no longer the chill girl. No. And (laughs) and I think that's been... I used to be. (laughs) I really have enjoyed watching your social media presence like change a bit this year. To not be the chill girl. Not saying that you were before, but like seeing no, you address but, more social issues yeah. head on and bluntly yeah. is very refreshing. And I like that. It's difficult, though, Casey. Like, it really is. Because I feel like even the guy that I was dating, it really, I don't want to say it bothered him, but he used to say that I like, instead of coming with a candle, like to, to make friends, like I would come with like a blowtorch, which basically means like you're not you're not letting these guys like these guys that you're coming after. You're not coming coming with like peace and a candle you're coming but with that's a blow- what we did for so yes. long that's what we and did for so long and nothing changed well and I wrote a I wrote a big post too about it and I was like I'm sorry you know that I came with a flame torch I really like I, I just really want to see change and it was largely at studio at so I want to I want to clarify it's largely at these nerd uh studio movie studios and stuff that I've worked with that I've been in meetings with and a lot of times they're like you know <sighs> 
make excuses for why they don't have more women there and make excuses for why they don't have more people of color there. They do. And I'm, I'm in, you know, I, I know I it, you know, and I'm dating, I was dating a white guy who was at those. So, and he was, you know, pretty high up in those. And so I could hear, and not saying that he would make excuses, but he would make excuses for his colleagues, you know? Dude, Danny, it's been weird. Cause I'm actually dating my first white guy ever. He's like <laughs> my ex, my exes were not. And so, and you know, he's half Cuban, but he doesn't look it. He's, he's passing as white. But it is interesting, and I'm really happy that he never tells me shit. Like, when I have a random Facebook event post, which I don't have nearly as much anymore, yeah. just, like, shitting on men, he doesn't say shit. But it's interesting how, like, you know, my exes who were not white would be a bit more on board with yes. with that. Whereas, yeah. you know, I love my boyfriend deeply. It's just he doesn't get it, the, the anger side of it. Yeah. Um, he never tells me that it's bad or not to do it. It's just he doesn't say anything at all. Well, I think mine was more like you're actually losing jobs because you're calling out places now. And to some extent, I, I get that. And I've talked to Ify, my co-host, about it a lot. Ify is African-American and his family's from Nigeria. And we like we definitely text each other about, you know, some of these places that we've had to work at that are not great all the time some of them and uh and he'll be like you know what you need to sometimes he'll just be like you know what you need to I don't want to say use them but he that's basically what he says like okay use this position until you're in a higher position where you can call them out you know but right now you're still trying to make it that's interesting I I just had this realization that like the strip club sometimes feels to me like that where like yeah, sometimes I get frustrated with men. Like I've been having nightmares lately where I'm like screaming at and telling off men. And that's I haven't had nightmares like that in regards to my job before. I've always been cool with my job because I always feel like I'm flipping it where I'm playing them and I'm using them and I'm taking their money and putting it toward my projects, which are totally like challenging the patriarchy. Right. But it's been frustrating lately. You know, job burnout's normal for everyone. And I'm feeling that. And I just have to hold on to that fact that like I'm using this to make the career where that's true I'm the boss you know I'm running my sitcom you know what I mean it's just but it's hard sometimes because it's natural to get angry it's okay to get angry I think we all should be angry right now I think like I said about bottoming in my um insanity before Trump became president like I've had to like scale back my anger because it gets me um if I get I get emotionally hung over from my temper because it's just I have anger problems because of my family and stuff um but it's a delicate line anger gets things done though I do feel like they're you know anger gets a bad rap I do feel like anger gets things done and I feel like I've gotten to the point where where I am angry where where not only do we have viewers and and YouTube comments of all these people saying shit but now in meetings or at you know different places it'll be you know some of the head people saying this like well I don't know if a woman is as qualified or oh or this is is another thing that we (laughs) deal with behind the scenes is they'll say like oh can you not um, I saw you retweeted that like Black Lives Matter thing. Like that's this is not the time or place. Like someone literally, oh, this isn't the time. A, li- a huge company literally told my friend who is a host uh, that. And so I don't see any it's like, well, better when, time. Then yeah, then when is the time? When and is also, the time? and also like okay, but he's a person of color first, and your host second. You know what I mean? But they like, don't want that. They don't want that. And that's that's what we're seeing. You know now with the NFL and like other things like that. Yeah. And so. 
people are taking a stand, but is affecting their careers. And so the current I, place- I think that's okay. I think that we're going to have to do that to move forward. Like you did with sort of, like you said, kind of like scrapping these job possibilities. Yes. It's like that, that's the only way we're going to all move forward. And that's kind of something I like about being my own boss as a stripper. Like, I can say and do whatever I please. And that right. creative freedom to have whatever opinions I have is the best thing for me. Um, I don't like, you know, people are like, oh, opinions expressed on their Twitter are not that of their company. It's like, good, that's fine. I don't want to have to, like, be accountable to that. Sorry. Yeah. Well, Hyper, the place that I'm at now, I think they picked us up specifically knowing that we that that's a nice thing about my Twitter now is if you hire me now, you've seen <laughs> you've gone good. through it and you see, see you know what you're getting. See, and I think that also that. That's uh, uh, that applies to dating because I used to scale myself back and water myself down. Like maybe this kind of guy will like me. And a good friend of mine is like, you just be your most self and that'll attract the right guy. Yeah. And that is totally true for jobs, too. Mm -hmm. Right. You're out there with your opinions and that will attract companies that want your opinion yeah and also how many how many like it, you and I probably know so many people that were political this year that got jobs for being political you exactly. know for having for having a voice and got to write for publications or the daily show or like you know several of my friends got picked up at different places for having a voice so isn't that interesting it is right? great that like so many people are trying to silence us and and so I tweeted something the other day it was like okay I at this point I've let go my anger as far as you not speak like as far as these studios and the men that I know that should speak up and aren't. I'm letting that anger go, but don't try and silence me then. I liked that post. That, I thought that yeah. post was so on point and I thought it was well done and I could feel your anger, but I could feel it being channeled into something very well well put. Yeah. I liked that a lot. Um, what was I going to ask? Dang it. Yeah, I just, there's so much good shit there. Is this normal for your show to just rant about <laughs> My show? I feel bad that I've like ranted. No. I can talk about freak stuff in my life or like my divorce or anything like no, that. No, no, or no. Our we talked about suicide. But a, yeah. a lot of this show, actually, we kind of put it under the women and society category. Oh, instead good. Of, instead of okay. just comedy or just yeah. like vulgar and shocking because like sort of all my conversations veer very feminist and very progressive. Okay, and, great. And just, <laughs> I, I like bringing on women that are strong. And like I said in your intro, just very open and honest. I feel like I didn't. That's where the freedom is, I think, yeah. is your, in your honesty. I was like, I hope I didn't come in here with, like, another blowtorch again. No, but and, that's like, what I like blowtorch. I'm, I'm a blowtorch. Well, I'm you like, know what? I when I wrote that, that post and I honestly, after, you know, my boyfriend had said that to me, I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to scare people away. Okay. Like, if someone genuinely wants to change. And so I wrote this whole post about, like, you know, I'm sorry if I can't, if it seemed like I was coming with a blowtorch and just wanted change. And someone, immediately someone replied and was like, um, some of these people take a blowtorch. Like, they need it. Because when you come with a candle they don't listen you exactly. know and I was like okay and you know what's interesting too I don't know if you saw my post on Facebook about it the other day but for the first time ever at work at the strip club I've had two guys in the same week two straight white males check their privilege in conversation like somehow it just came up and whatever they were saying but they checked themselves I've never heard that done before they are realizing they're in the wrong they realize that their people you know these fucking people marching in Charlottesville or whatever that they're in the wrong and it's amazing because I can see the fear in them and I think there's always been these jokes surrounding like oh women and their complainy blogs and just like feminists mm. and now it's like they're shutting up now you know they're realizing they're in the wrong at least the progressive white males I think because they're seeing their power erupt in other places so badly and I think also it's the anger of POC queer people 
women sex workers that are mm-hmm. that's finally putting them in their little place because we've all spoken out online and it's it's become like so unified that they realize they're outnumbered. I think that they're they're seeing a life that isn't their own. And I think sometimes that can be difficult for them to completely understand why everyone else doesn't isn't immediately born with the same privilege or why they don't. Or why all... why are you guys so angry? Why yeah, are you guys that so too. angry? And I think too, like even on a smaller, completely different scale, with the guy that I was dating who was also on a lot of these nerd shows and stuff, I think when he saw the amount of comments that I received and or his female colleagues the female hosts on his show and death threats that they would get and violent sexual threats I think then it was like sometimes and this goes a lot in comedy when and I hear it from male comics when they date other women in the community that they are like oh shit I didn't realize that it was like this for you guys like I think they hear about it but when you actually date someone and you see it in someone that you love that you care about then you're like oh shit this is a problem so I think that they Mm -hmm. are being exposed to a life different than their own and I you know our friend do you know Nick Ross who's a writer he's Canadian he's great great funny guy but I remember we had a conversation once and he was like well you know I know I'm just a white guy I'm like wait a second that's like a huge thing because Mm -hmm. as a white guy you have so much power to affect people that look like you in a way that I can't you know so Mm -hmm. you so you are like an important part of this you know so I think just like our existences and being so outspoken as much flack as we receive and dangerous fucking flack like I know that so many people in my life have changed their views on strippers and like feminism and just so many other topics just because of my presentation of them on a daily basis on the fucking internet there and like I always say this it's like something I always say but I like jokes that deliver social justice points because it's like you're candy coating the Advil you know how Advils are like candy coated they have the medicine they get the point it's like somehow seeping into their subconscious but they're laughing while they're ingesting it so they don't feel attacked um, of course, like I love attacking people straight on. But <laughs> I think humor really like changes people's opinions and our, True, our yeah. just presence changes yeah. people's opinions. I do feel like you had such I mean, you had the hardest job out here and that was changing people in comedy's opinion of strippers. And I feel like you really I mean, I, I just I am so proud of you. Oh, thanks. Danny. I'm so proud of you. And I think that you are so thanks. strong because you did something that I feel so many people wouldn't be able to do and might crumble oh. under. And I think that you had one of the hardest jobs and you did. And I, I truly feel like you have actually changed our community because I don't know if you realize how many people you affected and how many people's perceptions and opinions and oh. stereotypes and stuff. And I'm really not thanks. blowing smoke up. Like, I truly think that you did, you have done that in our community, in the comedy community. And I think the Internet's helped. On the East Coast, there's Jack the Stripper, who's also a comedian, and a, she makes incredible comics and a whole has produced a whole book called Striptastic of her illustrations of the strip club, and they're hilarious and they're on point. And she like promotes this happy, happy whore um, kind of mentality, and it's changed people. Like she's the New York version, and I'm the LA version, and so together and through the internet, I feel like <laughs> with your powers combined. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, where can people find you online, or what kind of shows on Twitch yeah. are you doing? Yeah, so you can find me, I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez uh, online on Twitter and Instagram, and then I am a host over at Hyper RPG. We have a Valiant Comics, it's sponsored by Valiant Comics RPG show every Wednesday night, and there's other comics on it. We have Johnny Cruz, he's the voice of Lucio on Overwatch. Uh, he 
she's on it every week. Uh, Danielle Radford, who's another comic, and Ify Wadiwai. She's wonderful. Yeah, That's and they're cool. all very funny. It's a hilarious, like, improv show. It's live on Twitch. It starts at 7 every Wednesday. Yeah. So. Awesome. Thanks for joining me, and thanks for Mason Booker, my producer, who's always just making us sound good. And this was Casey's Freak Show podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>